Miss Mary set us up beautifully for where we're going to be this morning. If if the story that Miss Mary just uh, told is the summer blockbuster, then what we're going to spend some time on this morning is the prequel. Um, because one of the unsung heroes um, of the Battle of Jericho uh, that we just learned about is a woman named Rahab. Um, she has a beautiful story of faith that we're going to look at this morning um, and it actually uh, continues the story that Whitney started for us last week. Uh, we left the children of Israel with Whitney last week um, as Joseph was saving his family from a famine. Um, and so now we are fast forwarding several hundred years um, and multiple generations to the same group of people um, as they are returning to the land uh, that God promised Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. So it, this is really uh, the culmination in some ways of God uh, being faithful to the promises that he made to his people. And I'm so glad um, to get to follow Whitney and continue the story. Um, some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning are uh, PG-13, but parents, I know that your kiddos are with you. And um, so we're going to uh, skirt... Um, some things. Um, you're going to know what they are when they come up, um, but I'm trying to avoid some um, unwanted questions in the car on the way home. Um, so uh, you're going to see in the passage um, what I'm talking about, and we're going to talk in code a little bit, but I promise to be careful with the fact that you have your kiddos here. Um, in Joshua chapter 2, the story that Miss Mary um, told this morning is in Joshua chapter 6, the actual battle of Jericho. But if we back up to Joshua chapter 2, we find the story of how Joshua sends two spies um, across the Jordan and into the land to come back and report and tell what they find. Those two spies end up at the home of this woman, Rahab. Rahab is a Canaanite woman. Um, she's never been around, hasn't lived around the people of God, probably had never met any Israelites um, or God worshipers or followers. Um, and she, as an adult, we know, is making some pretty poor life decisions. She's not um, living a life that glorified God. Um, we are, we're conjecturing a little bit, but I think it's safe to say um, that she had not had the kind of loving, protective home life as a child and young woman that one would hope for. Um, in our own country, the Department of Justice did a study in 2016 um, that found about 98% of the women in our country who find themselves in the same line of work that Rahab was in, um, reported victimization um, in their childhoods. So um, that, that culture was different. The time's a little bit different. But any woman, right, women, I think we can all agree, any woman who finds herself in that particular line of work isn't, um, didn't choose it uh, voluntarily, usually. And so um, Rahab's had a rough life. Um, and yet these two Israelites end up knocking on the door of her home and her immediate instinct, um, is to hide them. And surely enough, the king of Jericho finds out that these spies have come in to the city and they, that they've been seen at Rahab's house. 
So he sends his men um, to demand that she release these Israelite spies uh, to the king of Jericho. And she lies, right? She says, they, well, they were here. I didn't really know where they were from, but they already left the city. Um, and so if you hurry, you can probably catch up to them when, in fact, they were hiding on the roof of her house. My favorite part of the story is when she, she sends the king's men away and she goes up to the roof and tells these two Israelite spies, I know who you are and I know what God has already done for you. And I believe. And so I, I believe that God's going to give you this land. And so when he gives you the land, will you spare me and my family? And the, the spies make an agreement with her. They agree on all the details that if she'll keep her family, her, her parents and her siblings and all of their children, if she'll keep them in her house while the battle's going on, they'll spare her life. Um, and she lowers them down. The gates of the city have been closed. It's night by then. She lowers them down um, out of her window. Her, her home was in the city walls. Um, she lowers them down, and they agree that the signal to the army of Israel is going to be that red rope that's going to she's going to leave hanging from her window. So all the soldiers know where the where the red rope is in the window. We we have a deal with that family. They're with us. We spare the lives of everybody inside, and it works. When we get to the Battle of Jericho, right where Mary left off, the the walls fall down, which Right, Rahab's house is in the wall of the city, and yet her home is spared. The, the scarlet rope is still hanging um, from the window. And when the Israelites go in, Joshua calls the two spies to him and says, Hey, we, re- we remember the promise that we made to Rahab. Go get her and her family. And they um, are saved. It, it all works. Here's the thing. Rahab has a, makes a profession of faith in that conversation with those spies. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 um, to 11, it says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We're all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt And we know what you did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Rahab has grown up in what what was probably a rough childhood, has made some bad decisions in adulthood, and she hasn't been around God worshipers. And yet, this her first encounter probably with Israelites, it's not like Israelites were around a lot, right? Just two of them wandering into the city got the attention of the king. So it's not like they're hanging out together. And her very first words to them are, I know what God has done for you. We've all heard the stories. And surely your God is the God of heaven and earth. They were a polytheistic people, the Canaanites. They they worshipped a lot of gods. And God's reputation makes it to Rahab in such a way that she completely converts to being a follower of the God. 
right? Based on his reputation alone, what he had done for his own people, she can say, surely your God is the God of the heavens above and the earth below. We know that it was a profession of faith um, because of what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, first, well, after Hebrews, but she's mentioned, Rahab's mentioned several times in the New Testament, which is fascinating um, to me. She's mentioned in James when James is talking about faith and works and how you can tell that you believe by what you do. He mentions Rahab as an example. Rahab's faith had actions. Rahab proved her faith by hiding the spies. Um, then in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that it was by faith that Rahab welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with all of the rest of the people who were destroyed. Rahab had the same faith as Abraham, and it's the faith that we have as well. Here's the best part. When you get to the end of Joshua chapter 2, the spies have, um, they've escaped. They do exactly what Rahab says to do. They go hide in the hills for three days and wait for the people who are looking for them to give up and go back home. And then they cross the Jordan and go back to Joshua and they recount everything to Joshua that God has done for them in the time that they were in Jericho. And here's what they say. Um, chapter 2 verse 24. The two spies come down from the hill country. They crossed the Jordan River and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. Here's what they say. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Just a generation before, Moses had sent 12 spies into the same land. They saw the same people who were larger than they were. They called them giants. They saw the same fortified cities. And 10 out of those 12 spies come back out to Moses and the people and say, there's no way we can do it. The people are big. The cities are fortified. We know God said that we were going to get this land, but we don't really think he was serious. We don't, we, we can't, there's no way we can do it. A generation later, Joshua sends these two spies in. They see the same people, the same fortified cities. They're right rescued in the middle of the night and hidden by this woman and dropped out of the city wall through a window and have to hide in the wilderness for three days. They come back and say, the Lord has given us the land. I think that Rahab's faith spurred on the faith of the spies. Those two spies saw the faith of Rahab, right? They they saw what they would have assumed was a godless woman who was making terrible life choices at the time. She tells them, God's given you this land. We all know that you're going to take it. You're going to win the battle. When you, when you come back and fight, would you please look out for me and my family? Surely your God is the God of heaven above and earth below. And it increases the faith of the people of God. They leave and go, yep, battle's over. We can do it. When we, within our families, within our relationships, maybe it's on a sofa or around a table in a community group, when we voice the things that God has done on our behalf as his people, it increases the faith of those who hear, whether they belong to him right then or not, right? Yeah, sure, it's evangelism. It can be evangelism to people who aren't part of the people of God. But it's also helpful to those of us who belong to the people of God. 
right? When we hear what God has done for others, when we hear the stories of faith from someone else, it bolsters our faith. I think it's why God created us to do this thing together. God gifted Rahab with this super powerful faith, and it allows her to be the, the hero, heroine, the hero of the story. She saves the spies. She's the one that allows them to get back out to Joshua to tell the people, yes, we can do it. Here's the other beautiful thing and the other superpower that I think God gives to Rahab. God gives her redemption in some really beautiful ways. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 1. I told you that Rahab was mentioned in the New Testament several times. Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of the birth of Jesus. Which, let's be honest, can sometimes seem like a snooze fest, right? It's all the begats. In the, new, in the King James, it's the begats. Um, but it's so important to understand where Jesus came from in a, like, biological family kind of sense. I don't know about y'all, but my family reunions, whoa. We can, there's, there's a lot there, Right? None of us has a perfect family. Even, even when we have beautiful spiritual heritages, there's, there's one in every family. We got three or four, right? The, we all have things, either in our biology or in our own histories, that don't necessarily glorify God. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 1. In verse, if you skip down to verse 5 and 6, Salmon was the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Rahab not only professes faith, but then after the battle of Jericho, she's grafted into the family of God. She and her mother and her father and all of her siblings and their families, they start living with the Israelites. They don't just live with the Israelites as outsiders either. She marries in. This man named Salmon, who's clearly an Israelite, because if we had backed all the way up in Matthew chapter 1, he's a son of Abraham. This Israelite man, a God follower, marries Rahab. She, She becomes part of the culture, part of the family. And she gives birth to Boaz, who then marries Ruth. Which, if you know just a little bit farther in the story of the Old Testament... Ruth is also a woman who was not an Israelite, had never lived among God's people, but makes a profession of faith with her first mother-in-law, Naomi, and comes and is grafted in. Ruth becomes the great-grandmother of King David, which makes Rahab the great-great-grandmother of King David. David, a man after God's own heart, who leads the people well and faithfully and wants to build the temple, settles them in the promised land. She's not just accepted in with the people of God. She becomes grafted in to really the most important biological family that exists. Because, P.S., I'll give you the end of the Matthew chapter 1, we get to Jesus eventually. Rahab, victimized probably, Early in life, made some pretty terrible decisions in her adulthood, and yet sees what 
the God of Israel does for his people, professes faith and is grafted in. This made me think of later in the history of God's people in the Old Testament through the prophet Joel. God tells his people, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. That makes me think of Rahab's story. I think God restored for her some of the years that she spent in that particular profession in Jericho. And instead she lived out the rest of her days raising babies among God's people. I also liked to picture, this is not in scripture, this is my imagination at work. But if she was Ruth's second mother-in-law, we don't really know if Rahab lived long enough to see um, Boaz marry Ruth. But wouldn't it be beautiful to think of Rahab being the mother-in-law that had tea with Ruth early in the mornings as they were both women who had been born other but had been grafted into the family of God? It made me think of um, the fact that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, Paul tells the Corinthian church that we have the same ministry, right? In uh, verses 17 and 19, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the ministry of reconciliation. I just It was so encouraging to me to picture Rahab with her history and all of her flaws and faults, having been grafted into the family through a profound faith that could have only been a gift from God, then sitting and talking to Ruth through some similar things, and the fact that they mothered some of the men who were in that lineage is really, really beautiful. For us, as God's people, we have been reconciled to God through Christ. And we have the ministry of reconciliation. God brings other people to himself through us and through our stories and through the way that other people can see that he moves on the behalves of his people. Let's share the stories. Let's listen to the stories. Let's make sure that um, we remember, we're in touch with the fact that we're all from people who were once far off but have been brought near. And therefore we can, to those who are far off, bring them near um, by the stories of our faith and the things that um, our amazing God has done for us. I'm going to pray. Father God, um, it's just good to sit um, and to be reminded of your truth and the fact that um, you just, first of all, you just do what you say you're going to do. You're so faithful to your promises. Um, but God, thank you so much for the faith of Rahab. It's, it's probably uncommon for us to point to a woman like her and say that she is a good example for us and for our daughters and for our children. And yet, um, she is. Thank you for her um, faith, for her bravery, um, for the fact that through her you saved not only her biological family, but ultimately us. 
right? She's in our um, spiritual lineage because um, she's a grandmother of not just King David, but the king. Um, You brought Jesus through her and her her story, and we're thankful. Lord, would you help us um, to recognize those who are far off and um, spur us on to uh, bring them near? Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.